The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Sex, lube, woo. You love it, Michael. I love it. Can you even say sex anymore without saying woo? I know, you can't. So guys, woo for play. Have you tried it? It really is insane, okay? There's natural and organic ingredients. It's edible, kind of like a sweet cupcakey flavor. It doubles as a massage oil, so you can start with a massage and see where things end up, and it increases sex drive. And you have an experience with all three of those things. Mm, okay, okay, Michael. <laughs> Don't be sick. The episode just started. Anyways, guys, if you're interested in trying Woo for Play, then go to wooforplay.com and enter promo code him and her at checkout for 20% off your entire order. You're going to want to get two bottles. Trust me. Again, that's wooforplay.com, W-O-O-F-O-R-P-L-A-Y.com and enter promo code him and her for 20% off. This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning space offering more than 20,000 courses online. I am currently using the platform to learn After Effects as well as Photoshop, taking that under my wing. They're both platforms to create graphics and motion graphics. I'm sure many of you are familiar. I've talked about them before. We use them for creating Instagram stories, motion graphics, all of the above. So this is a tool for brands and individuals to acquire new skills or take novice skills to an expert level. Think of it as the Netflix for learning skills online. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering the Skinny Confidential listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. Hard to beat that. So to sign up, go to Skillshare.com skinny. Again, that's Skillshare.com skinny to start your two months of learning now. That's Skillshare.com skinny. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Uh Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I think about five years ago, it was really taboo to do anything like on social media. It was patient privacy and all those concerns. But what I found is that patients absolutely love it, right? They love it. They want to show that they're like, hey, mom, dad, and my friends and family, I'm getting my surgery. Tune in to Dr. Barrett and we're uh, you can watch me get my surgery. They love it. I think times have changed. And fortunately, that mentality has changed rather recently within the past two years. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential Him and Her Show. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining. That clip was from our guest of the show today, Dr. Daniel Barrett. And on this episode, we're going to get real, okay? We discuss my recent boob job, boob jobs in general, sizing, what to look for in surgeons, common mistakes and complications surrounding boob jobs, explants, implants, and mommy makeovers. For those of you who are new to the show, I am Lauren Everett's and I am the creator of The Skinny Confidential, which is a blog, book, brand, and podcast. And I'm Michael Bostick. I'm a serial entrepreneur and brand builder, most recently the CEO of Dear Media, which is a new kind of podcast network marrying the digital world to the audio space. All right, let's talk about one of my favorite subjects in the world, two of my favorite things, my wife's boobs. I call them flotsam and jetsam. I call them fun and more fun. (laughs) Um, Okay, so guys... I wanted to tell you before we get into this interview, the reason I wanted to have Dr. Barrett on the show. I have gotten so many DMs and emails and questions about a boob job that I feel there's so many different doctors all over the United States. There's Groupon offers. There's things that you can get discounts on online that I wanted to bring someone on and show uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of a boob job, what to look for, uh, things to avoid, things to ask, sort of how to go to a doctor with your list and get the right answers. Um, I would hate to have you guys see anyone get a boob job and then go try to emulate that with a doctor that maybe doesn't have the right credentials. So I thought bringing Dr. Barrett on would just be like a very streamlined way of getting you everything you need to know about boobs in one hour. If you would have asked me four years ago if I would be doing a talk show or a show about boob jobs, I don't think I would have known what to say. Who I knows? St- maybe, I still don't really know what to say. Maybe we'll have a ball expert on soon. Maybe you'll have to get your balls done and we'll have that expert on. You know, you never know. Life throws you funny twists. I know. I've been, I've been looking for a reduction for a while. It's starting to become cumbersome. <laughs> 
I also want to say this, guys. I am not trying to be a role model for boob jobs. I am simply just sharing my journey and my story. My right one bottomed out after 10 years of having a boob job. And so um, I feel like everyone needs to drink when I say the word boob job. Everyone will be drunk. But uh, I wanted to... Don't even get past the intro part of this episode. I I wanted to uh, just share my journey, share my story, share what I'm going through, my recovery. And again, I'm not a role model for boob jobs. I'm just showing you my life and what I'm doing living my life on my own terms, beating to the tune of my own drum while sharing it with you. Yeah, I always think it's important for content creators to share their journey and their experiences and show what's working in their life and what's not working. I like when people come on and I like how you haven't positioned yourself as some type of expert, but just sharing your experience. A lot of people come in and they have very strong opinions, but I think all we can do as content creators and influencers and podcasters is share our personal experience in an authentic way and let people take and not take what they want. So the real question is, is when you get a ball job, are you going to share it? with the audience. We're going to document the whole thing. I can't wait. We'll get you tennis balls in there. All right. Before we get into the interview with Dr. Barrett, I want to talk to you about my latest and greatest Grove Collaborative themed order. Okay. It's like clockwork with me. I order my healthy cleaning supplies straight online so I can skip the grocery store. I mean, there is nothing worse than having to stand in line at the store and then lug all the cleaning supplies into your house or make your husband do it. I mean, there's there's really nothing like worse ever, especially because I'm that person that has to carry everything in at once. And then I'm like that a-hole that ends up dropping something and it spills everywhere and I'm on my hands and knees cleaning it up and it's just not efficient. Anyway, This month's themed order was interesting. I decided to look through community favorites on grove.co, okay? So that's right. You can like search through what the community is loving. I'm personally a big fan of honest feedback, and I feel like this is ideal when you're shopping to see exactly what real people are using and hear their opinion. So there's like three standout stars of this month that were definitely very on brand that I think you guys will love. I just tried the blood orange hand sanitizer, okay? I'm obsessed, obsessed with blood orange. It's one of my favorite scents. I wear it as a perfume, and um, the hand sanitizer does not disappoint. We keep this in our laundry room and in our kitchen, so it's everywhere. Michael, little hint, hint to use a little more hand sanitizer, okay? As you guys can see, I am so serious about Grove because it makes it so easy to discover the best non-toxic products. None of Grove's products are tested on animals. We love this. And then another plus here is that Grove.co also price matches. So you know you're getting the best deal ever. All right, here's how it works. You get 100 customizable auto shipments on your schedule. So edit, pause, and cancel at any time. Free shipping and returns and 100% happiness guarantee. If you guys haven't tried Grove, you have to try it. Okay, pick up those three items. For a limited time, our listeners who sign up will get an amazing $30 gift set, a free 60-day VIP membership, and a bonus gift just for you when you sign up and place an order of $20 or more. Check out Grove and our special offer at grove.co slash skinny. That's grove.co, not .com slash skinny. And make sure you get the blood orange hand sanitizer. Dr. Daniel Barrett is a board-certified plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills, California. He specializes in aesthetic and reconstructive surgery and is totally known as the booby doctor. His passion is providing natural results with minimal downtime, utilizing holistic approaches, and minimal recovery. He's developed detailed scar management and closure techniques to reduce the appearance of scars for his patients. I am obsessed with Dr. Barrett. He did my boobs. He's a badass. He's also a dad and a husband. So with that, let's welcome Dr. Barrett to the podcast. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. We have two breast implants on the table we do we have textured we have smooth these are just a sampling of what we have in the office to show patients one is 600 and one is um this one is a 325 this was uh actually opened by accident and uh, (laughs) surgery the other day so we brought it in because it is like a brand new example of a mentor moderate profile smooth round implant and um 
this is for you to kind of play yeah. with a little bit. You can more, play more boobs for me to play with. I thought yeah. one of the wildest things when we, when we went into your office was when you brought out Lauren's old boobs yeah. and gave them to me. Because I was thinking, I was like, holy shit. I was like, wait, I've, I've had these things for so long. It's like, now I get to, you know what I mean? When yeah, I get some new ones. Now which, no one's like, touched these. A, yeah. a lot of people had touched uh, the other say ones. That. I don't say that. I mean, listen, I'm not hope I don't want anyone else touching them, but I'm not, it wasn't like something I was hung up on. <laughs> but it is nice. New, fresh ones, like getting a brand new car. Before, yeah. Before I but hop better. into this, I need right. to know, Michael, what would you rate Dr. Barrett's work since you've seen it firsthand and felt it should and just, licked it? Well, <laughs> should I just, you know, do, uh, Dr. Barrett, should I just call you every day and thank you every morning or what? I mean, you know, it's the, the best compliment I've ever had was when I get people's boyfriends or their husbands, they, they have no idea that their wives had had breast augmentation or they're super, super happy because it's extremely natural. And so that really, that makes me feel good. That makes me know that, hey, this is passing the true test of really people that get to know, you know, their their loved ones so close and then they can't even tell the difference or they're really, really happy, you know, so it's it's great. It's great I feeling. can tell the difference too between my old ones and my new ones, like even the shape and the artistic way of them, if that makes sense. Right. Now you're different. You're, you're, you had them before. So we kind of, you know, the cat's out of the bag. So we were, our job, my job was really difficult because we had to kind of take where you are now and it was kind of like a little investigation right like we didn't really know i mean we knew we kind of knew what your size was but then i took out your your implants we measured what they were they're actually different than what we thought they were and then we have to kind of make some game time decisions during the operation to adjust for that so that's why we use sizers during the operation that's why we do all those measurements and stuff like that to really kind of customize your end result to give you the the best result possible how did you get here what's your background start from the beginning why plastic surgery you know what? If I had looked back like 20 years ago and be like, I'm going to be a board certified plastic surgeon here in Beverly Hills, I'd be like, this is crazy. I remember growing up in Warrington, Virginia, which is a really small town in Virginia. We had a couple of horses um, watching. We finally got cable TV because we were like that far out. And I remember watching like Dr. 90210. You guys, do you ever remember that show with Dr. Robert Ray and so forth? Really cool show. Highly recommend it. Um, but I was like, wow, that's crazy. This world out there, like they have palm trees and they're doing all this crazy stuff with plastic surgery. This guy with cut off tea scrubs, you know, doing these surgeries. Um, I always thought that was just kind of wild and glamorous and I never thought I'd end up out here. But it was kind of a gradual position. You know, being a doctor takes a very long, um, it's a long road of multiple decisions that you have to make. And it was, it all kind of started when I was younger. My dad got lung cancer. He he died of lung cancer. We were exposed to healthcare. Nobody else in my family was a healthcare. So I was like, I want to be a doctor. I want to, I want to cure cancer. I want to do all this other stuff. And fast forward, once you get into medical school, you realize kind of what you're good at, what you like to do. I knew I liked to work with my hands. I, I knew I liked to... Um, to help people, I realized I could not deal with cancer on a regular basis. So my hat's off to people. Why is that? Just the emotional toll, or yeah, I mean, your 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 patients—they're going through a lot. The emotional toll—they, you know, a lot of them die. You know, they don't make it. And you can do great work, but I I, I don't think I was strong enough. I, I couldn't do it. So I was like, I want to do I want to do surgery where I can help people, and um, I don't want it to be that that heavy you know and i want i want to really improve people's lives because in your experience like you're maybe having the opposite that where you work you work with people or on people and they come and they're happy right like the end of it like at the end right. of that process like thank you right where obviously in the other in, in the in the cancer world like they, they could have very very sad endings did, exactly did blood ever make you nervous or has it always been something where it's just natural it doesn't bother you at all you know i remember watching the i, re I remember watching like the tlc channel was was out and it was like surgeries you could and, and i remember watching like a knee surgery i was like that's really cool and they were like opening up a knee and like drilling into a knee i was like no problem the rest of my family was just like puking in the back and i was like this is great you know so i knew right away that i like surgery so how do you become the booby expert because you are the booby expert of beverly hills Right. So what, what makes plastic surgery different? What makes cosmetic surgery? What makes being a, a breast and body expert different is, be, is, is you really have to have a really good understanding of anatomy, um, of surgery, of the science. And then you have to have that artistic edge on top of that. What looks good, right? We're not trying to cut out cancer or take out an appendix or do a liver transplant. Those are all very functional things. You're trying to make something that looks normal look better. It's kind of like you have to have taste. Totally, you gotta have taste. You have you gotta have a you gotta you gotta know what 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 things I, I study. I go to the Getty Museum at least once every couple months just to study a sculpture. I go I, anytime I get a chance. I go and I look and I study sculpture. Paintings are paintings are great, but really 3D is really the way you have to do it because the breast is a three-dimensional structure. Um, 
Yeah, in case you hear that, that's my daughter in the background. <laughs> that's not Dr. Barrett. That's not Dr. Barrett. That is, uh, and that's not a breast implant. That is, that is a baby. There's a baby by Barrett right there. So, Boobs um, on the table. Babies yeah, in the room. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, it's it's it takes a lot of study because you have to know what is uh, what looks good. Um, you have to have a lot of experience. I did a lot of breast reconstruction. So back to my story. I did a lot of cancer reconstruction. So women that had breast cancer, I would I would do breast reconstruction surgery for them. And those are actually probably the hardest operations because you're completely removing a breast with uh, like mastectomy surgery. The, the, the general surgeon will do that. And then you have to like, okay, and I'm starting with scratch. Now I've got to start and build a new breast from scratch. So when you really understand how to build a breast up from nothing, you become a better cosmetic surgeon because, um, you know, you already had breasts, right? And we were just trying to make them look even better. So that that kind of gave me that ex that gives me that extra ability to know what I can do with breasts, how I can release muscle, how I can open the pocket, and how is that going to hold up over six months? How is that going to hold up over six years? You know what I mean? You don't want to just give a good result for three months and then have it all fall apart. What advice can you give to someone that is listening right now that's thinking about getting them? They're on the fence. I tell people this. If you're sitting there staring at yourself in the mirror for more than six months and you're not happy with something, do something about it, right? Um, plastic surgery with a board-certified plastic surgeon is extremely safe. And um, consult with them. Hey, can you do something about this? Because if it's, you know, if it's, it's something especially like small breasts or breast asymmetry or tuberous breasts, I don't even know if you know some of these things that we do, um, to correct those things can make a huge difference in a woman's confidence and how they feel about their bodies and how they fit in clothes. Um, and it's really powerful and it makes us feel really good. That's why myself, my my wife, my, our whole office, we just get really excited when we have results like you and we help patients kind of um, feel really better about their bodies and then they move on and they forget about us because they're just out there enjoying their life and I won't forget about you. Michael, okay. won't, Michael will not forget <laughs> about you I feel like you might be in his thoughts too much I'll always remember you right. um, yeah who who would be like what would you consider a good candidate and on the flip side what's a, like who's a bad candidate if there if there is such a thing and I'll, um, there's gonna be a lot of education more yeah. for me on this podcast probably mm -hmm. than for Lauren because you guys are both you know Lauren has them and you're an expert <laughs> right. I'm just here <laughs> Right. My way in the dark. I, you know, I always ask, how long have you been thinking about this? Um, what's going on? What do you, you know, what, what's your concern? And if they tell me that uh, my boyfriend wants me to have bigger boobs, I'm like, no, I'm not doing your surgery. This can't be, I mean, this, this has to come from within. It's got to come from the woman. Like, this is something I want for my body. If they tell me that somebody else wants them to do it, I'm like, look, I'm not your guy because you're not going to be, you're going to get your boobs and then you guys might break up and then you're not going to be happy. So that's, that's a bad candidate. Um, so I get a lot of people that um, really need breast lifts and they just want to do an augmentation and that's just part of the educational process um, which maybe mommy makeover mommy makeover yeah so if you have kids you do a lot of breastfeeding and, and your breasts have gotten saggy chances are you need a little bit of a lift versus just like a straight augmentation um, you know people that smoke um, people that are not healthy those are those are not really those are difficult candidates because we run into wound healing problems with smoking. Smoking, as you know, stops new blood supply to areas. And if you make a fresh incision on something, you're not going to get regrowth of uh, what's called angiogenesis. You're not going to get that. And so you won't get any wound healing. So I, I, I make sure all my patients are not smokers. Oh, that's an interesting. I didn't know. I that. mean, yeah. I've met a lot of I've met a lot of girls that are that are smokers that have. You, know, you haven't met anyone. But I'm saying, so I wonder. <laughs> I Who wonder, have you met? I wonder, um, is there any, is there any like kind of physical um, complications or any anybody that, you know, just does not have a body that could support breast augmentations or is that? Or the, or Before Dr. Barrett dives into candidates, I want to talk to you guys and tell you guys about Skillshare. So let's talk about skills. Who wants to learn some new skills? Who needs to step up their skills game? I love a good skill. Lauren you love loves a, a good, good skill. skill. Yeah. Love acquiring skills, Lauren. <laughs> and with Skillshare, there is really no better way to do it online. With more than 20,000 online courses, Skillshare must have a course for you, Lauren. 
I'm and sure for me, they do. And for our listeners, we've used it to do so many things. After Effects, Photoshop, GarageBand Premiere, Adobe Edition, um, to name a few. If you're in the online marketing space and want to learn how to market better, use Skillshare. If you're running an online e-com store and you're wondering how to use the best platforms or plugins or apps, Skillshare. If you want to know how to do your Instagram story videos like I do, use Skillshare, guys. That's what I use for all those graphics that you DM me about that are moving and make sounds. Yep, with After Effects, which we learned. Um, with more than 20,000 courses, like I said, there has to be something for you guys. Think of it as the Netflix for learning skills online. So Taylor really became an expert at Adobe After Effects, and he's also become an expert at Adobe Edition, which we use to edit these podcasts, as well as many of the podcasts on Dear Media. Maybe some of you guys want to use Pro Tools to edit your podcast or a new show. You can also learn that on uh, Skillshare. We can always add things to our arsenal. Like I said earlier, I really like Skillshare for anyone that's trying to better themselves, which, of course, is the majority of our listeners. Everyone's a rock star. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering the Skinny Confidential listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. You can't beat that. You can't pay for school that cheap. It's just a good deal. It's just, it's just a good deal. It's a buck. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash skinny. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash skinny to start two months of learning now. That's Skillshare.com slash skinny. Not right. Thing. So one of the things I really try to do, I try to customize all of my operation. Let's let's just stay a straightforward breast augmentation. My goal for every single person, um, and, and breast revisions are a whole other category. They're like, that's like the next level up, right? But a breast augmentation, I try to customize for each individual person. My goal is to not have it look like you had surgery. So you can go out to the beach, you can be completely naked, and no one's going to be able to tell. Um, I do that through a lot of uh, a lot of the techniques that I've learned over the years, placing up using your own anatomy, your pectoralis muscle, to to blunt that upper part of the breast, so that instead of seeing that roundness on top of the chest, you're actually getting a nice um, teardrop shape. Um, so uh, I do that with placement. I do that with my incision closer. I close breasts in five layers. It's super OCD. It's very meticulous, but it's like if this was your body, I always ask myself this. If this was your body, how would you want your incisions closed? Knowing what I know, five layers. Get it. Get in there, spend the time, and get it done. Explain the five layers like really in depth because I've heard you say that a lot, and yeah. I want to hear exactly what you mean by that. So um, the breast has five distinct layers of um, kind of zones of adherence. So the breast tissue, you have the breast tissue, you have the fascia layer uh, right above the breast, you have the deep dermis, you have the middle dermis, and then you have the epidermis. So there's three levels of the skin and there's two levels uh, at the breast. When you close all those layers together very precisely, imagine like cutting a piece of lasagna in half, you know, five layer lasagna. You can see the like the little pieces of like uh, of the pasta and between with the sauce and the cheese. Great this, visual. I know. Right, no, I'm serious. That's a great visual. <laughs> okay, That's good. Good. Are no. I know it's food, but we're talking about breasts. But I, I couldn't think of a better way to to kind of describe it. So when you bring all those precise layers back together, you trick your body into thinking that hey, nothing much has really happened, right? If you leave a big gap and you just close the skin, it's going to produce a bunch of scar tissue there, right? To try to close that gap. It's like, I need to heal. This is crazy. What happened? That carries over into the skin and creates more inflammation for your skin. So your incision gets more thick and hypertrophic. You also do something else that I found really interesting. And some people on Instagram story were messaging me about this. So I saw you every single week after the surgery for like four weeks. Mm -hmm. Now, when I first got surgery the first time with a different doctor 12 years ago, I saw him once and that was it. Mm -hmm. Why do you see the patient once every week for I think three to four weeks? Yeah, so um, it, it depends on your healing. And honestly, for lifts and tummy tucks, I see patients uh, six times. You, you know, so you, you actually healed really well. Um, I just care about my patient's healing. You know, it doesn't just end. When you find somebody that's really passionate about their work, they care about the after result, right? It's not like, okay, I got your money and we did your surgery and bye. I mean, that's just, I don't feel good at the end of the day. I want to really make sure that my patients are healing appropriately. Their questions are answered. And there's things that I notice that a lot of other people don't notice in terms of healing. And we, we ran into some situations like that too, where I helped identify these things and we can kind of make adjustments as you're healing. And I think that's, that's part of the surgical process. Your body takes some time to heal and you need to recognize 
potential problems before they actually turn into bigger problems. That is so smart because, guys, I've had surgery on my jaw. I've had my appendix out. I've had my boobs done once before. And I feel like sometimes with doctors, they perform the surgery, they do their art, and then they send you on your way. And you're just sort of supposed to fend for yourself. With you, you had me wear a anti-nausea patch the night before, so I mm-hmm. didn't get nauseous. And then, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but I had absolutely no pain because you did something where you numbed me. Mm-hmm. You also gave me a stool softener because you <laughs> anticipated that I would have um, constipation because right. of the pain pills. So everything was like very planned out and thought out, so it was so seamless. Um, can you sort of talk uh, talk about that? Right. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of train my staff and, and me myself. I'm always like, what would I want if I was going to go through surgery? You know, I don't want nausea when I wake up. So I want to come up with the best anti-nausea medication that I can think of. In fact, we use two for you. There's a patch and there's also another medication called Zofran. I think I put the patch on wrong. We did. So you showed up. It was backwards. That's all right. We turned it around just in time. Just in time. Yeah. That's the one thing you had to do. I literally had one. Listen. All right. You know what? That's probably our fault too because, you know, you're not the only one. So I think we need to be clear. See, this is how I know you're a nice guy because it's my fault. It's 100% my fault. But, But we could keep going. Yeah. So. So, um, you know, I don't want nausea. I don't want pain when I wake up, right? We got these injectable medications called, um, you know, uh, lidocaine, like when you go to the dentist, or even a longer-acting one called Marcaine. It lasts for six hours. Why do more doctors not do it? Because it just takes time. And, and, and it's just like, um, is your result going to be the same? Yes. But when you wake up, you're going to be pain-free if I pre-inject the area with pain medication. So it's not only about your your results. It's also about the whole experience, too. So that's why, you know, I use fully accredited surgery center, board-certified anesthesiologist. I train my staff very carefully on things that you're going to be thinking about the day of surgery to try to anticipate any anxiety that you might be having, um, medications for afterwards. Uh, constipation is always a big one. Even if you don't take the pain medication, the medication you get from anesthesia will cause constipation. just slows you down, slows down your gut, and um, that's super uncomfortable. And that doesn't hit you until two or three days later. I didn't have that at all, guys. Good. Just for the record, <laughs> everything was good. Let me ask you this. <laughs> yeah. Um, when it comes to sizing, I, f- I found one thing that was interesting is Lauren and you met before and you kind of talked roughly about sizing but then when you went in it was different than what you anticipated Mm -hmm. how do you decide or how do you consult someone that's think that's when it comes to sizing like when how big how small yeah so the first thing people think about is bra size they're like I am I'm a 34 C and I want to be like 34 D or I'm a 34 B I want to be a 34 D um, so, uh, the problem with that is like, is that Victoria's Secret or is it, you know, JC Penney or what, you know, where's what, what is a universal bra size and where is it? Because there isn't, there doesn't exist. That gives us a rough idea. Um, I, um, I like to use pictures because a picture is worth a thousand words. So I tell people, show me some pictures of size that you like naked breast photos from the front because You'll be amazed at how many bikinis and things like that people can put on to really kind of change the appearance. I don't, Lauren, I mean, you tell us, but um, (laughs) there's all kinds of things out there that you can do. So uh, I just say find naked breast photos from the front, something that really speaks to you in terms of size, and then we'll go from there. Um, uh, The other thing I do is I do measurements. There's about six different measurements I do during a consultation. The most important one is called a base width. Every implant has a round side and has a flat side. This flat side... Um, has to correspond to how much width you have on your chest. So is, it going on the, is that resting on the sternum? or, or Exactly, yeah. yeah. So the sternum out to the lateral part of your pec, believe it or not. And that's kind of that's what I'm measuring during the consultation or the most important measurement that I'm, that I'm doing. That has to correspond to how much width on the implant. Now, if your implant's too wide and goes beyond that, it sticks out on the side and it looks weird, it looks not fake. If it's too small, it moves around. So, um, you know, those are, those are some things I do to, to kind of, uh, keep you within the framework of natural for your body. Um, and then ultimately we use those photos that they pick to kind of go bounce in between an extra two, 25 cc's up or 25 cc's down. That's how particular I get because those little 25 cc increments in the implants, they make a difference. And so I really try to hone it in on all my patients based off of what they want. And we had that we did the measurements. We had lots of discussion. We had photos of like your desired size. And ultimately when and then the extra component for you was taking out your old implants and measuring them. I don't know if you remember we talked about that, but your implants had kind of shrunk. You said they were 350, but they're actually 270 and 300. 
Um, they were? Yeah. So I measured the volume. You can do volumetric analysis. You're of probably, no. So wait, what What did I think they were? I thought they were 300, right? Or no, 350. You, either you thought they were 300 or 350. Okay. But they turned out to be 300 and 270. Got it. So one was actually bigger than the other. And so, you know, I had to take that in consideration when putting new Old lefty. In. Yeah. <laughs> No, you know what I like about my new boobs? Don't mean yeah. to brag, but mm-hmm. here's what I love about them. My other boobs were sort of, like you just said, out a little bit. Right. Like, kind of like, I don't know how to even describe it. They hung outward. Mm-hmm. These ones, you you gave me a cleavage effect, but not a fake look. So they're more they're more in. I'm not using the right words, but can you describe, like, can you describe, if you were to describe my boobs to the audience, how would you describe them? <laughs> We're really well, getting into it. So, okay, we're getting we're getting into implant mechanics also because you had some pretty old McGann saline implants. And those are very they're like baseballs. So they're very narrow, they're very projected. They don't do anything for cleavage and they tend to have a water hammer effect on your breast over time they drop. And that happened for one one of your breasts, the one of them bottomed out. That's not a I mean, that's that's I mean, they're also old, so it was it was it was about time anyway. Um, and that can happen. So when we get into the newer implants, they make them a little more um, a little more wide, so they disperse a lot of that weight. So they end up being more stable in the breast pocket. The other thing is when they're a little bit more wide at the base, they give you more of that cleavage that you're experiencing right now. We also do did a slightly bigger implant to match your base width, which was thirteen centimeters. You had an implant that was probably, meant for a 12 centimeter or 11 and a half centimeter frame. So probably wasn't the best size for you. Maybe at the time, maybe things changed. I don't know. It was 14 years ago, 13 years ago. I think it was like 10 or 11 years ago. What's interesting to me about all this is there's, uh, people ask me like, oh, what's Lauren doing? And she, I said, oh, she's getting them redone. And there's a lot of people that I've talked to, with, a lot of women, they're like, oh, I didn't know you had to do that. I don't think a lot of women realize that if you have these for that, or you have breasts right. for that long, you might need to redo them. Speak totally. on that. I mean, tell, yeah. I feel like that's like that's been the the biggest question on my social media is, oh my god, I didn't know I had to get them redone. Yes, um, I, I have lots of stories about redoing implants. I I, I will say, um, saline, you have a little more forgiveness, right? Because if a saline ruptures, you know right away it's just a bag of saline. But you have about two weeks to kind of do something about it before it starts to contract and before it becomes much more difficult to kind of reinflate it, right? So if, you, if your saline ruptures, you got to go rush and find a surgeon who's willing to do your operation within two weeks. What about the other one? Is that the one? Uh, you can replace, yeah, so you would replace the other side. No, but I'm saying oh. you the mean other sil- mix- silicone. What's the one that if it ruptures, you're you're in trouble? Well, the older older silicone, you were in trouble because right. you wouldn't know about it. It would rupture and it would leak into your body. We have what's called gummy bear implants now or cohesive gel implants that I exclusively use so that if it were to rupture, it doesn't really travel very far. It's still not great for you, so you want to have it replaced. But you don't really know if a silicone implant ruptures. That's why you really don't want to wait past 10 years to have it exchanged. How long do they really last? I mean... I have, I had one patient, she had 30 year old silicone implants. She was a Mormon. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but they were, came out and they were pristine. Like literally like these things were like brand new. I don't know what she did or, or didn't do, lack, didn't do. <laughs> but her now bl- I'm the one that's going to get in trouble, but, all right, yeah. <laughs> but her, impl- her implants came out perfect. I still, I, she wanted them back. So I gave them back to her, but, um, I was sad because I was like, these are like antiques. I wanted to keep them and, um, anyway and show other patients but anyway so yeah so you don't want to be in that situation you don't want to wait past 10 years because if you have to rush and find a surgeon um you're 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 not going to get the best options because my schedule i'm not i'm not typically available within two weeks you know and so that's kind of your time frame and you so you end up going with a surgeon who's not busy maybe he's not as good you know so those those are things you want to kind of plan ahead to, to do. And that's one of the reasons that I decided to go with you is because I felt like, what if I'm traveling and I have to rush back here? At, just for the record, if you guys didn't know, my right one bottomed out. Is that right? Right. It was bottoming out or it bottomed out? It bottomed out, yeah. So basically, your your nipple was pointing to the sky. Imagine the, the breast mound would just went way down on your ribcage too much. It so, sounds graphic. It didn't, yeah. it didn't like, it wasn't like incredibly graphic if you looked at it, but after you pointed it out, I could definitely tell. Right. Yeah. I mean, and these are things that a really good breast surgeon is going to be able to point out. And it, and it probably contributed to things you did notice that like maybe your cleavage was uneven when you were wearing tank tops or clothes, that one side was maybe more full than the other. Um, but you don't really realize that it's because the implant dropped down. Um, and and to fix that, we added, you know, we had to do a couple of things. We did some cautery, some pocket tightening. We actually did a suture repair to kind of replace that that area that had kind of expanded down. And, and like I said, that happens with the type of implant that you had. 
I always just thought you had one shorter leg. Oh, God. Come on, Michael. <laughs> what about mommy makeovers? Let's talk about mommy makeovers. There's a lot of moms that are listening. Is there a right way to do it, a wrong way to do it? What would you recommend? Is everyone different? Yes. Um, I recommend a mommy makeover after you're done having children um, because if you plan to have another kid, tightening up your tummy, tightening up the breasts, um, you have run the risk of it kind of relaxing out again. Um, is it a contraindication to having kids? No, you still can, but just realize that you're probably going to stretch things out that you just spent all this money and time and energy to fix. Um, I love mommy makeovers because I think they're a great way to um, get women's bodies back after they make sacrifices for their children. Um, and husband. Uh, and husband. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you sacrifice, literally, you say like you're, you're, a, you know, if you breastfeed, you are really there a hundred percent for your kids and it takes a toll on your body. And, and so it's really gratifying to me to help women get their bodies back. Cause it's like, they come out of my office literally week six and they're like, show me pictures of their new bikinis that they're wearing. They're back at the beach and you know, it's, they really feel this renewed confidence about their body. And then if you get situations where women are, uh, some women go through divorces or they go through breakups and things like that, I get a lot of people that, that come from that point and they just, they really need to kickstart and they really need to restart. And that is just a, it's, it's a phenomenal way to kind of get back out there. When I'm on my second husband, I'll call you. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> can they breastfeed? Can I breastfeed? Can yeah. anyone with implants breastfeed? Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good question. If you understand where an implant goes, um, most of the time now, if you're a good surgeon, you're placing the implant partially underneath the muscle. Okay. The, the muscle is the pectoralis muscle when you do pushups. Okay, so imagine that flat, broad muscle that goes right behind kind of the nipple and chest area. That muscle, um, you are, you're elevating to put the implant on partially underneath. The glandular tissue goes above that muscle. Okay, the glandular, glandular tissue is what provides breast milk. Okay, so we're not actually in too much contact with the glandular tissue with the implant. So mechanically, they're pretty separate. They're not really interfering with each other. Where we theorize that there might be disruption of breastfeeding is that there's a tiny little disruption when you make that little tunnel to get to that little prepectoral pocket and they did studies how often well how difficult is it well for primary augmentation that's your first time breast dog your um, reported difficulty is seven percent reported difficulty breastfeeding now there's women out there that never had breast augmentation that can't breastfeed so you, you gotta you gotta understand statistics so some people just can't breastfeed um, it doesn't matter whether you have implants or not of the people that have implants 7% report a statistically different, a difference, a difficulty um, breastfeeding. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes So it's pretty sense. small. So it's like less than one in 10 are going to have problems breastfeeding. How often do you see explants and are they becoming more popular? What, like what's going on with that? I know that some people are doing that. Um, Explain to me what an explant is. I mean, are you serious? Oh, is it ta you mean taking them out? Yeah. Okay. Well, I had, well when I once I started thinking of like the Latin and the English language, then I was like, okay, X and M. <laughs> then I got it. But I did. Come on. You can't be a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Let me. Let's talk about like putting a motorcycle together, and we'll see how you. Fare no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about explants. Um, you know, the, I find very few women actually want to remove their breast implants if they were done right the first time. So what I get a lot of people that are just um, they're traumatized or they're shocked. They just got implants that were just not in line with they what they wanted in the first place. And that's what pains me because I'm like, it doesn't need to be that way. Of the women that want their implants out and they want to come up with all, all the other options like fat grafting, which we do, which is totally cool. It's because they had a bad experience the first time around. And that's why everybody needs to make sure that they get the size that they want that matches their body. A 600cc implant is not going to look good on a five foot two, 110 pound woman. It just, it's just, I mean, it's just too big. Right? So this, yeah, this is kind of what I was trying to ask a little yeah. bit earlier. It's like, what in in a situation like that, if you just go and say, "Hey, I want these giant," it doesn't work for some bodies. Right. It, it'll it'll look good for like a year or two, but I'm not, I'm, you know. And I really try to educate. And so, as you guys know, I put everything out there. I put it on my social media. I put it on my Instagram. I do it on my Snapchat, where you can see all the steps I do for my operation. And sometimes I do consults too. I, um, I talk about the reasons why I'm using a certain size. I'll even mention in the operation, the base width and all that stuff. And that stuff is really important because we know statistically, if you go a certain size and it starts to happen right around 400 cc's, complication rate and revision rate goes up. Below that, we're, we're, in a good, we're in a good zone where that we, our complication rate and our revision rate stays pretty low. 
that's why it's hard for me to talk on anything other than my own experience because I've had I had a good experience the first time I've had a right. great experience this time so I mean that I can just speak on my journey right you also do something in the operating room where you sit the patient up totally can so, you talk about that kind of yeah um, I'm, I'm one of the few surgeons that likes to use sizers during the operation um, it delays the operation well it doesn't really delay it I think it's a necessary part because you want to see how the implants look when's the last time you went to a really fancy shoe store and bought a pair of shoes without trying them on first um, we pretty much have a good idea of what our size is but sometimes we're off we're off by like a half size and to me that's not what people are coming to to get done they're not going to have me kind of guesstimate what their size should be I want to see exactly how it looks um, and especially for revisions you can cannot get away with shooting from the hip with doing revisions without using sizers but even for primary augmentations I want to see how it looks on our patients before I commit them to that size because you're not here to buy a car this is your body you're making decisions about your body that you have to live with the rest of your life so if you were giving someone advice on three questions like the top three questions to ask their plastic surgeon um, what would those be mm, that's a good question are you board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery there's a lot of people out there um, a lot of doctors out there believe it or not in United States you can do any kind of surgery you want if you've done one year of internship yeah, so you go to medical school, right? And then you do one year of internship anywhere. It can be in dermatology or it can be in pathology. You can go out and do open heart surgery legally, okay? Now, that typically is not that drastic, but you have general surgeons, you have other types of surgeons, obstetricians and things like that that are getting into breast augmentation that are really missing the the amount of training that take. Like for me, it took six years at USC doing probably 10,000 hours worth of breast surgery to get to the level that I'm at. So you want to ask, are they uh, certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery? Not, are you just board certified? Because that could be, they could be board certified in general surgery. They could be board certified in obstetrics. You want to make sure that they're actual plastic surgeons. That's number one. Number two, what do you, what do you do mostly? Do you do breast and body? Do you do rhinoplasty? Do you do facelifts? Um, and then, um, so yeah, find out what they do mostly and then find out some of the stuff that they do to, um, I would say now the latest is what do you do to reduce capsular contracture? Do you use a color funnel? Do you, you do you irrigate? You know, these are some really specific things that are, um, there to find out if they're up to this, up to speed with some of the latest technology and latest advances that we have to really improve breast augmentation or breast surgery. And also, I have talked to a lot of people over DM. It's so important that you guys like find the right doctor and you don't use a Groupon or you don't use a discount code. This is, in my opinion, this is your body. I mean, I think that you should do your research, look into the doctor. I know you can go on Real Self. That's a very popular thing to do. Um, just me. I also think it's important too is to look at past work, to look at the doctor's past work and see if it's it's if it if you like it. Right. That's that's the next level that you want to go on at least two consultations, maybe even more. You want to find a good fit between you and whoever the plastic surgeon may be. I'm not a good fit for everybody. Um, and and so because this is somebody who you're completely trusting with your body, you're going under general anesthesia. You have no idea what's going to happen once you're asleep. And you have to completely trust that person that they're going to get you the goals that you want and then that they're going to be there for you afterwards to manage any any concerns or any problems that you might be having. So it's a very personal decision, and um, you got to have those basics that we talked about. And then beyond that, is it a good fit? Like, are you guys meshing? Are you having a good conversation? Are your goals lining up with uh, your your surgeon um, about what you want to achieve? And are they listening to you? Are they trying to do the size that they think is right for you, or are they um, are are they? I mean, you know, you want them to pick. You want them to give you the size that you want. You don't want them to kind of put their impression upon you, which happens a lot of times in these very busy practices. They just one size fits all, and I think it's a mistake. Speaking of like doing your research and mistakes, what is the most if there is if there is such a thing? What's the most common mistake or common fix that you see when say someone got a surgery not from you somewhere else? And they come and they say, you know, I'm really not happy. This didn't go the way I wanted. Like, what is the what is the most common thing? Because I feel like if we educate people around that, that's what they'll look out for. I think going too big and then going um, thinking high profile is good. Um, the, like again, we can get we can talk for an hour just about um, implant dimensions alone. But implants have different levels of profiles. How much projection do you have versus the width? And sometimes 
more projection is not a good thing. And we talked about that already, but um, I, I get a lot of, comp where I get the most complications are high profile implants and inframammary incisions. So here you are, you're giving a very heavy implant with a very narrow base and you're making an incision on the bottom part of the breast. So I get so many people bottoming out because their surgeon picked the wrong incision and they used the wrong implant. And then not only that, but they give them, they went way too big. They didn't really think about the repercussions or the surgeon didn't want to take the time to explain to them, hey, this is too big for your body. Like that's not a good idea. Let's talk about something that matches your your dimensions better. And I imagine like when you go that big, it's probably not so great on the back. But I don't know. Right. But I know. But <laughs> yeah. Just, how I'm would just, you know? I'm just imagining. <laughs> no, I saw I saw a patient today. She um, she had uh, large implants. They were high profile. She gained some weight. And where she normally wouldn't have back problems, um, she's now kind of more of a breast reduction kind of patient. So where I need to get these implants out for her, and I need to give her a lift. So that does happen if you go way too big. Is getting fat into your boobs popular? Yes. I didn't say it right. How do you say it? In injecting? Fat grafting. Fat, fat grafting. grafting to the breast, yes. Excuse me. Um, it is very popular. I love to do it when I can. And again, I get a lot of shell-shocked patients that come out. They, do, they want to get rid of their implants completely. And, and, and sometimes um, I've actually had some, uh, some influencers in regards to this that, that had this happen. And done correctly, you can replace an implant with fat grafting, or you can just do a straightforward augmentation with fat grafting. You have to know its limitations. One, you need the fat. So where are you going to get that fat from? If you're, if you're you know, 5% body fat, we're not going to be able to find any fat. And you can't use someone else's fat. Sorry, Michael. So um, the other thing... <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the I clear. can't use your ball fat. <laughs> we don't want, Lauren, you don't want to go too big. You know? <laughs> uh, the other thing is uh, it, you got to realize its limitations, right? We're dealing with an implant. It's a very defined volume, right? We know what we're going to get. With fat grafting, we lose a certain percentage of fat. How well is that fat going to survive? Well, it depends on a lot of things. How well do you graft it? It's like planting a garden. You don't just take a big bag of seeds and put it in one spot. You have to take a tiny little, tiny little droplet of fat and place it into its own little environment to to get the best graft take. Uh, and that takes time, so it's more expensive. It's a good option for people that are not looking to go more than a cup size improvement. Okay, scarring mm. with with incisions. I want to talk about both of these things? I have heard a lot of people, and I don't know why this gives me like severe anxiety, but doing an implant through a belly button like that for, for some reason that makes me want to like lay down and die. I don't know why it just to that's, me that just seems counterintuitive. Like why would people? Why does people want to like do that? Like when my dad used to yell at me when I do something hard. He's like, "You're trying to go through the asshole to get to the tooth." That seems kind yeah. of similar. It's like a similar situation yeah. here. That's how I don't know though. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, and I also this is kind of a two sided question. Um, why why do some people go underneath the breast? I would like to know why doctors pick certain areas to insert the implant. Yeah, so the, the trans-umbilical breast augmentation is called a tuba for short. came out in the 90s uh, and um, was popular. Silicone implants were banned for a while in the United States, and uh, people were really worried that they caused cancer and all this stuff. They did all the studies. turned out, you know what, they don't. They don't cause cancer. Bre women just get breast cancer regardless they have implants or not. Um, and so they came out, you know, they started thinking of creative ways to deliver the saline implant, and um, someone found out that you can go through the belly button to put a saline implant. Um, and you know what? I've seen some really good results out there. I've seen some kind of disasters with it too because it's really hard to meticulously dissect. I spend so much time dissecting the pocket perfectly for the implant. To try to do it through the belly button is really challenging. And I don't think anybody has done it to the point where it makes a huge uh, difference. If, if done correctly, a perirelar incision, really, really small, is almost as imperceptible as a belly button incision. So what does that mean? Well, so a perirelar incision is what I typically like to do because the border of the areola has a natural color difference between the rest of the breast. And um, if you um, if you make your incision and you close it very precisely and you tape and you do scar gel for three months afterwards, no one's going to see it. So if if you take so my opinion is that the very number one most important thing to do is have a good breast shape and position if you fail on that everything else doesn't matter your scar doesn't matter right so stick to your priority first what's going to give you that the perirelar or the inframammary incision is going to do that why i don't like the inframammary that's in the bottom crease of the breast okay that's this that's a very common option i i certainly do those in certain women that request it i don't like it because 
myself and a couple of the breast surgeons that do a lot of these see a lot higher rate of bottoming out. You're making an incision on the support net, the support structure of the breast. Let's, I mean, if you're if you're going to do work on a house, why are you going to go through the foundation to do this do this work on the house, right? You're going to weaken the whole house structure because you just made your incision on the bottom part of the breast. So that's that's why I don't like to use it. And under boob is a very popular fashion thing right now. So um, um, you can still get bottoming out without it. But the other reason I don't like that inframammary incision because with fashion these days, you raise your arms up, you can see that line mm-hmm. on the bottom. On the board, on the bottom of the, or the border of the areola, no one can see it unless you're completely naked. So, um, and, and you have to look closely. Yeah, but then it's tough. And you gave right. me this scar cream that I'm supposed to use and you really stress the importance of using the scar cream. It's a good thing I you, you told me that was scar cream because <laughs> Lawrence was bringing all these face creams and serums and I've been trying to get my face game up and I saw that and it looked exactly I like... I thought you were going to th- say you thought it was Vaseline and it took it looks, to the computer. It looked like... <laughs> no. I'm like, that's my it, scar cream. Don't use that. It looked like a face serum and I, but then you told me that and I said, okay, I better not be rough. But I bet it actually might... Look good. No, don't. Do you ever get any flack from other surgeons or doctors that don't have as, uh, they're not as on point with their social media game? Because you're very on point. And I could see maybe some other people in your field that are maybe getting a little older, aren't using social media, being maybe jealous or disrespecting it or kind of being like pissed that, you know, because you get a lot of attention there. And you guys do obviously a great job with it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think about five years ago, it was really taboo to do anything like on social media. It was patient privacy and all those concerns. But what I found is that patients absolutely love it, right? They love it. They want to show their, they're like, hey, mom, dad, and my friends and family, I'm getting my surgery. Tune in to Dr. Barrett and we're, uh, you can watch me get my surgery. They love it. I think times have changed. And fortunately, that mentality has changed rather recently within the past two years. Our professional society has developed guidelines. So American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery has developed guidelines to kind of make, make sure that you have permission to patients to do it, which I totally get. It doesn't take away from your surgery. So you'll never see me like distracted from the surgery doing dancing where you heard about that surgeon down in Florida who was doing liposuction. She was an OBGYN doing liposuction. She was dancing during the operation. I, I would never do something that takes away from the operation. It would always You're be- more just documenting. Documenting, yeah. yeah. And I'm explaining as I'm going, okay? Just like I, I would teaching. And, and, and patients love that. So I think with appropriate guidelines, um, I think our society, our, our professional society, and some of the older surgeons have now kind of accepted it. But um, yeah, I do I do catch a lot of flack. There, what, there had to be a period where some yeah. of these guys were like, what the hell is yeah, this guy doing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, no, but also I assume it's great for the business too because it's great, mar- one, it's great marketing, and two, it's like, He's being transparent. Yeah, right. and if, you, you know, if you're a patient and you're thinking, you're like, hey, am I going to go to this guy where I can't really see anything, or uh-huh. am I going to go to this guy, one, he's getting great results, but two, I can see what he's up to and what he's about, and I think it's super smart. But I was just curious... I know this podcast more focused on the surgery element, but I was yeah. on the business side. I was just curious. And annoyingly yeah. enough, Instagram banned his first profile because he showed nipples, right? Right. Like, yeah. who cares if you showed? I mean, I, I think that is so I'm not prude like that. Show yeah. the nipples. But like, I'm pretty sh- Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was competitors who reported me. Probably. So it's just like, so about. we all need <laughs> you that's guys, those, those, those guys I'm talking can about. Can everyone go follow Dr. Barrett's because he has a new account and he his account with 35,000 people got banned. So we need to go support him. It's at Barrett Plastic Surgery, right? Right, yeah. It's exactly. two R's and two E's. Two T's. Two T's. Yeah. Barrett. Two R's yeah. and two T's. Yeah. That's, it, that's good, though, because it's like two boobs. It's like two R's, yes. two T's. That's a good way to remember it. Mm-hmm. Count to two? Um, <laughs> I, I want to know this. This is maybe a little bit off topic of the boobs. I've been watching you on social media, and I'm, I'm watching that you have so much energy. And you probably have to be so focused when you're doing surgery. I can only imagine. You can't have any distractions. One, how do you sort of get those distractions out of the way when you have a surgery and two how do you have the energy is it, is it coffee is it sleep is there a meditation trick that you do is there something you can give to our audience that's sort of a takeaway that's something that gives you a lot of energy yeah so uh surgery days are my my favorite part of the week um because here here i am i'm, I'm, I'm fine it's, it's almost like a, an athletic performance a lot of people you know sometimes i'm in there for hours doing surgery and it and it takes a lot of both focus and physical stamina so a lot of my work is done preparation days before so i kind of have my plan laid out if your surgeon doesn't have your plan laid out like for you i had a i had a tentative plan because there were some unknowns um, and then I have game plans. If this happens, do this. If this happens, do that. That's all predetermined in my head because I don't I don't have time to sit around in the operating room and kind of come up with a plan um, because you're under, under anesthesia. You know, this is a critical time. You want to make use best use of your time. The other thing is I work out. I, I, I 
you've got, I'm training for a marathon uh, next year and um, to be operating for 10 to 12 hours a day, it's physically demanding. And, um, you know, I, I have to keep active to, to maintain the kind of the strength and the, and the mental focus to, to do these operations. And on the weekends, you're you're always riding your bike. You're you're. I mean, you're you're very active. Like it's right. crazy. How long is a boob surgery with you normally? I know um, it's different. Anywhere from an hour and a half. Okay. Um, and, and that's another thing, by the way. If your surgeon is bragging about doing your breast augmentation in 15 minutes, Ugh. run the other way. Yes, right. I'm please. good at this, and there's no way I could do what I do in 15 minutes. There's just no way. So at least a half an hour, an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. So um, some breast breast surgeries, breast lifts can take me up to five hours. I've had. Um, and you know some really challenging ones, maybe six hours at the at the the most. Um, just depends on the situation. Tummy tucks and uh, body contouring cases, they can take eight hours. Or combination mommy makeovers, eight hours easy. Oh, my gosh. Right. What is a plate? What? Oh, I forgot to. I eat, <laughs> I eat a grapefruit every morning. Oh, yeah. Tell I don't me know what it wanna... is, but like a Dr. Obaji, who's a skincare guru, he I, I listened to this. I listened to him one time and he talked about, and, and Baji products are great, but I was like, this guy is 70 years old. How does he look so great? And he has the same energy and he's like, he eats a grapefruit every morning. And so I started doing it. It's like light enough and it gives me energy to, to, to really get going. So I, I don't know what it is. Maybe that's my secret grapefruit. I swear to God, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to be having a grapefruit. You're going to be enjoying one. I always, I always take what people on this show come on yeah. and, like, and try, but, but that sounds good. I've been doing, I've been doing blueberries. <laughs> Blueberries are good though too. No, but he's yeah. doing blueberries because Howard Stern does blueberries okay. every morning. No, I look at people. Well, one, yes, you want the performers, but I, I'm now as I'm getting older. I'm not that I'm not old, but I look at people that are living long lives. They don't have to be the like super crazy athletes, but people that are making it, past, you know, 60s, 70s, and still looking good. I'm like, what? The, what are they doing to make it that far and still perform that well? Right. I, I heard blueberries now. You're, you're a young guy, but grapefruits. <laughs> what is a book, a resource, a podcast that you can recommend to our audience before you go that is maybe changed your life, changed your practice? Uh, you said you were OCD. So is there something maybe that's that that has helped with that? Well, I've, I've been reading your book lately, and it's changed my life. <laughs> Riveting. I, um, I've, <laughs> I've been actually working out and doing your exercises um, have really kind of shaped my buttock area. My wife's been very happy, and um, I'm very thankful. No, you know, um, I, uh, you know, internet is the way to go these days. YouTube, YouTube, watch videos, and um, that's, what type of videos are you watching? Um, I mean, there's, there's surgery videos out there. I mean, I have my own YouTube channel that I, I just throw it all out there. So what you see on my social media is censored. And then I have like, you know, hundred percent every step. Like if you could, if you want to study surgeries, you can actually study my surgeries through my YouTube, you know, you did a uh, influencer, Christine Dominique's tummy tuck on your YouTube. I tried I to watch it for one minute. Right. I tried. Yeah, it's hardcore. What makes me do nervous? you ever yeah. do you ever worry in your field about? I guess you can't. Well, you're you're unique in the sense like an artist where you you know use your hands. So you know, there's certain things people can copy and take me, but there's certain things they can't. Right. Right. Do you ever get nervous giving away the information, or do you? Look I at want it? it out there. You want I it want there? it out there because I um you know what I'm I'm only one plastic surgeon. I can't do the whole world's plastic surgery, right? So it doesn't really matter to me if other plastic surgeons are upping their game because that's making the field better. It's gonna it's gonna make more people happy you know because they're going to get better results and it's going to make more people more interested in plastic surgery and get rid of that taboo associated with plastic surgery so um, a really good plastic surgeon puts it out there you know Um, get it out there let let people learn from it I think the way I do my surgeries every other plastic surgeon should do it the same way Uh, and that's why I don't hesitate to put it out there because it's just going to make it's going to make a better results for everybody and plastic surgery is just going to be that much more popular I feel like that as a content creator I like to tell everyone my tips and tricks and it's like we it's it's collaborative right um okay guys dr barrett has a very incredible special for you okay so he's offered five hundred dollars off a booked surgery do you want to elaborate on that yes so five hundred dollars so if if you're like Lauren, if you're like the skinny confidential and you had breasts and it's time for them to get exchanged or there's a problem with them you don't like you want to downsize upsize swap them out whatever you want we are um, offering a special in conjunction with the skinny um, that is uh, $500 off your book surgery you guys honestly I don't mean to brag but I love my tits just so just throwing and that I out love there. them even more uh, uh, Michael's eyeballs almost popped out of his head they did the first time I was yeah pretty much well because Michael was... literally couldn't even he was like this 
That was pretty amazing. It was like that cartoon, like boing. Ray, can we add that like I somewhere? I, like a cartoon. Like it was like. I felt like a little. I didn't know like what to do and how to react, but yeah, it was good. But uh, my my question for you is, what have you what have you done with the old implants? Are those in like a special room? Not, not, so she has them doing. I'm I, doing something really diabolical. I wanted to do them. something cool with them. No, like, no, don't. Just don't worry about she them. She has them. She's doing. Something. I have a trick up my sleeve. Okay, Doctor Barrett's also offering fifty dollars off lip filler service. Yes. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um. Say you're you're happy with your breasts um, you just want some nice improvement or natural enhancement I have um, uh, a big injectable practice I love doing injections too I get to know my patients because you're not under anesthesia I do lots of lip injections I'm a big fan of natural looking lips whole website naturallookinglips.com um, we have a little special for that $50 off if you want to just try something simple and not dive into a whole big breast surgery and you guys can get both of these offers through March 1st 2019 I mean I don't know what to say about the boobs there's not a better a surgeon for boobs in my opinion he is really the booby doctor pimp yourself out tell us where to find you if someone wants to watch your surgeries like give us everything right so just google dr daniel barrett i'm pretty much the only guy um, my website is drdanielbarrett.com and my instagram this is it's fun we have lots of good content every day you can see pictures of my daughter you can see pictures in the office you can see pictures of my results you can see uh, the skinny confidential in the office um, it's bare plastic surgery also, I have on my highlights, I just added it, it says boobs. And I actually took the whole experience and put all my Insta stories in that category. So it streamlined it. And I just did a YouTube video, boob job part one, and a YouTube video, boob job part two on my channel. So you guys will have to check it out. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely, that you guys. That was so fun. I was My also pleasure. thinking about making a highlight called boobs, but it was going to be a little different. No, I want to talk to you about Michael getting ball implants, but <laughs> right. we'll talk about that later. Textured or smooth? Ooh, I think gummy bear. <laughs> <laughs> guys, have you checked out the new podcast site? There is a new, new podcast site. It's tscpodcast.com, and basically it's streamlined for you. It's all the show notes from this episode and all of our episodes. It's great for someone who's new to the show. It's just sort of an all-around awesome resource that highlights all the insane people that we've talked to. You can find different books, resources, the sponsors, everything in one place. So remember to check it out at tscpodcast.com and make sure you're following along on Instagram at tscpodcast. This episode was brought to you by Grove Collaborative. Grove Collaborative offers healthy alternatives to household supplies, and we use it for all of our cleaning supplies and household goods. To try Grove Collaborative, go to grove.co slash skinny. Again, that's grove.co, not .com slash skinny for $30 in free supplies, a special gift, and a two-month VIP membership. This episode was also brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning space offering more than 20,000 courses. Like we said, we love to use Skillshare for the course on After Effects, okay? This is awesome for Instagram stories and motion graphics. Skillshare is a tool for brands and individuals to acquire new skills or take novice skills to an expert level. Think of it like the Netflix for learning skills, okay? So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for TSC listeners. So for two months of Skillshare, Get it for just 99 cents, you guys. It's $1. That's right. Skillshare is offering TSC listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for 99 cents. Make sure you try After Effects, okay? To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash skinny. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash skinny to start your two months of learning now. That's Skillshare.com slash skinny.